Blog Talk Radio. Some people think that business is a game. And what we have learned is that business actually is war. My name is David Banks, and I'm serving an 11-year sentence at the Federal Correctional Complex Prison Camp in Florence, Colorado. I've lost everything. My business, my money, my family, my future, my church, and my freedom. When they wanted people to sign non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they didn't want to do it. strange to me. I think it's still strange. It just absolutely makes no sense. Is this really real? Is this happening? And then all of a sudden your whole life is ripped apart. Justice is not fair anymore. They say justice is supposed to be blind. It's not blind. It's not blind. They pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to send. Ladies and gentlemen of America, what is going on when innocent men get locked away? Ladies and gentlemen, have you stopped to ask the question, where is justice? It's far away. They were floored that uh, they were even being raided. Um, uh, it became very clear that the court-appointed attorneys were not working for the guys. Um, and it seemed like in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution. We constantly hear in the news, every week you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted. There you have it. Tough questions in need for answers. Lady Justice has gone missing. Where is she? Is this happening in America? The American dream has turned into a nightmare. Crying children left behind as a result of a corrupt system and corruption. We will seek and search for justice. We will ask the tough questions. We will demand answers as justice lays idle in the streets of America. We look for the answer. Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. I don't know what's on the menu for you tonight, but we are happy to have the IRP5 with us as justice has been found. Hang on to your seats, folks. AJC Radio takes off right now. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt, Sampson Riddle, William Williams. And make no mistake about it, the RP5 are with us tonight. We welcome David Banks, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, 
Dave Zerpolo and Clinton Stewart. And I'll tell you right now, folks, this is something you need to probably bring your family in on to hear this story. And it will be told over and over again as we have found justice for these gentlemen. Uh, feel free to dial into the show tonight, folks. That number is 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628. And I'll tell you right now, folks, a long time coming as the RP5, who were wrongfully convicted, suffered a huge injustice by this system. We're going to have that discussion tonight, and we are very pleased to have these gentlemen. And, uh, Dennis, as you sit here tonight and we are in this dialogue with these men, this has been a long time coming. Give me your thoughts on that. Oh, yes, and it's great that we have them today, uh, tonight, and we're going to talk to them, and you're going to hear their story. And you're going to hear, you know, how they were uh, truly uh, uh, did wrong. And I tell you, it's going to be a great show tonight. I hope everybody out there is listening and, and truly enjoy the show. All right, and there you have it. Folks, again, feel free to dial in to 646 and I'll tell you what, this has been a journey uh, and one that has been very difficult. Make no mistake about it. When you find a situation as the RP5 has been uh, and spending eight years behind the wall uh, for a crime that was never committed is is absolutely outrageous. And we're going to get into that discussion tonight. Uh, and again, uh, uh, to all the RP5, uh, we thank you for joining us tonight. And we're going to get your thoughts here uh, in a moment. And uh, David, I- I'd like to go with you first. Uh, I don't know how many times or how many shows we've had talking about the RP5, and now we are at another level. And we are glad that you are free uh, from the system of injustice that you suffer. Give us your thoughts on that. Well, we're just really grateful. Yeah, we're just really grateful uh, to be free and uh, and to be able to tell our story. Uh, many Americans really don't know uh, the system is not what it appears to be, and we look forward to making Americans aware of, exa- of exactly how this system works for the average person. If you're not a billionaire or a millionaire, uh, justice is something that's very hard to come by in this system. Uh, we're grateful to be back w- with our families and with our friends and, and, and with our congregation at church. And I just look forward tonight to uh, really making Americans aware of the tragic injustice that can occur, uh, not only to us, but to anyone around this country. No, absolutely. Well spoken, David. You're going to hear more from uh, David Banks here shortly. Uh, Demetrius, your thoughts as we uh, arrive at this moment. Uh, they say all the time, uh, a moment in time where time stands still, I would like to believe this is one of those moments. Uh, your thoughts on being here uh, for the show tonight? I am just happy. We are happy to be here. I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you how these last eight years have impacted our lives. I'm thankful that we're here. It's just, just a long time coming. Uh, we have so many stories to tell. That the justice system is broken. Uh, and we just hope that shows like A Just Cause Radio it can get an impact change for the future because there are a lot of men, a lot of women hurting because this justice system has just rolled them up, chewed them up, and spit them out. 
and they're not aware of the families and the heartache and the suffering that goes through. And I'm just grateful to be back uh, amongst my brothers. Uh, I'm thankful that AJC has fought for us and was our voice when we couldn't speak. So it's uh, finally now time to speak, and I'm very happy about that. All right. Kendrick, as, as you know, Kendrick's been here as a co-host of this show for quite some time. Uh, was actually out prior to the remainder of the guys coming home. Kendrick, though, your thoughts as you are amongst friends tonight. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'd just like all of them to know the privilege to be able to be their voice uh, as they were behind, you know, the wall in prison. Uh, because we went through this together. I mean, you can have no stronger camaraderie than to go basically to war together. It's a tragedy. We had to go to war against our own justice system for something we didn't do. But someone has to, when you're behind the, the wall of prison, you, you don't have a voice anymore. And I felt that it was a, a heavy responsibility to try to convey what it's like and their feelings and their, you know, their thoughts and hopes and dreams and what they wanted until they got this chance today. So I think it's going to be very enlightening and very liberating for them to get a chance to, you know, be able to say in their own words what it was like for each individual uh, to go through this ordeal. All right. Thank you, Kendrick. Uh, Dave Zapolo, your thoughts as we uh, uh, begin this show tonight in the dialogue that needs to be discussed. This story must be told. Give us your thoughts. As everybody has been saying, I'm just grateful to be here, grateful to be able to have a voice. But as Kendrick said, we didn't have a voice when we were in prison. Now we can actually, in our own words, tell you what happened, how it happened, and what it made us feel like. Because for me, it was an eye-opening experience to see that the justice system in the United States is so broken that you don't even have to commit a crime to go to prison for eight years. Oh, for sure. We're going to get more on that as well. Clint Short. Yes, uh, it's a privilege to be here. I know that uh, tonight will hold some emotional moments. I know for me, just uh, listening to that uh, intro, uh, with the race card face-up dialogue that went on there in that interview, uh, it can be quite emotional. But after eight years, uh, there's a lot been bottled up. We certainly appreciate the opportunity to be here with Just Cause tonight to talk about just a bit of uh, the ordeal that we went through. Well, for sure. And, and ladies and gentlemen, if you need to uh, call anybody you know, you want to call in to this show tonight, it is imperative that we hear your thoughts as well as this battle, this, uh, this journey, if you will, that's been taken to fight for the IRP-5 at this point, make no mistake about it, we continue to fight to clear the names of these men. Uh, this was a, a, an injustice, as H. Lee Sarakin, former federal judge, stated very clearly, a huge miscarriage of justice that happened with these men. And we're going to get into that on the other side of the break, folks. I tell you, you better buckle up. This is going to be interesting uh, at a minimum, as we begin to turn the pages of injustice. We're going to deal with that on the other side of the break. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now, add a wrongful conviction to that. Life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. 
Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions by remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation. You can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today. 1-855-529-4252. We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. Say goodbye to affordability and say hello to losing control. Discover Price Gougesol, the latest outrageously expensive drug from Big Pharma. It's impossible to afford and reverses the ability to pay other bills. Because drug companies raise prices to pay for commercials like this one, side effects may include overdrawn bank accounts, bad credit scores, higher health care costs, children who don't get Christmas presents, and in some cases, the need to stop taking your medicine. If you experience any of these side effects, contact your financial advisor right away. Out-of-control drug costs are no joke. Yet nine of the 10 biggest pharma companies spend more on advertising than research and development. Let's solve the cost crisis now. Visit csrxp.org. My nephew Joshua was 13 when he was killed in 2001. Was living with me at the time. He asked me, can I go by Billy's house? I thought, well, you know, what's the harm in that? You know? My mistake was I assumed that there was a parent home. I assumed his father had his weapon properly secured. The kid had removed the magazine, so the kid was sure that the gun was safe. And he, what he didn't know was there was a bullet chamber. Joshua had this fear of weapons because he lost his mother to gun violence. I think this kid really pulled the trigger to show Joshua that, that it was not dangerous. The hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life is to tell my mom we have to bury her grandson. The pain was so great. We just wanted to do something positive and we also wanted to try to prevent families from experiencing the same pain that this put my family through. With again working with the End Family Fire campaign. Family Fire is the accidental shooting of a family member with a weapon that was improperly secured, improperly stored. It's a difficult conversation for people. You don't want to ask or say anything to your neighbors because you don't want to offend them. But there are important things we should know. Where are they going when they play? <laughs> what is the environment of that home? 
we have to understand that children are inquisitive, they're curious. And there's not one corner of the house that they haven't gone through. If you're a gun owner, you have to make sure your weapon is inaccessible. It will save the family from the pain and the trauma that my family's put through. Because once that happens, it's forever. And if I could prevent one family from experiencing that, then his life will have some purpose. I wanted to be in the military since I was since I was a kid. I served in the United States Air Force. I served a total of 16 years. I was deployed uh, 13 times. On my second deployment, four bombs hit my vehicle. And at 19 years old, that's the first time I ever saw somebody die. Coming back, I was raging. I started having pretty horrible nightmares. I would wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. I started drinking a lot. I felt worthless. I guess I never recognized it in myself. Eventually, one day, I just walked into the VA hospital and said I'd like to see somebody. Don't suffer alone. You got to find that link with somebody that'll make you let it go. It all starts with going to the VA. There's a whole community of veterans that just want to help you out. It's for the guys who couldn't come back, so you owe it to them to live well, because they're not here with their families. Here are 50 white guys. Here are 50 black guys. Here's how many white guys can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. The chances amount to one out of 17. Now here's how many black guys can expect the same thing. The chances are one out of three. Why? Lots of reasons. It's complicated, but one thing is clear. There's racial bias at every level of the criminal justice system. When blacks and whites commit the same kind of crimes, blacks are more likely to be arrested. Once arrested, they're more likely to be convicted. Once convicted, they're more likely to serve longer sentences. Look at the numbers in America's so-called war on drugs. About 14% of American drug users are black, as are about a quarter of drug sellers. Yet blacks are 34% of the people arrested for drug crimes. And those convicted of drug crimes, 46% are black. By the time we factor in sentencing, there are actually more black drug offenders than white ones in state prisons and in federal prison. In the end, the incarceration rate for drug crimes is 10 times higher for blacks than it is for whites. These are the facts. Racial disparity in America's war on drugs is one big reason that one out of three black men can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio, where we are privileged tonight to have the IRP-5 with us uh, from a long journey. And we're going to tell that story tonight as we continue to bring this to light for the American people and those across the country and really around the globe. To hear this story is more than necessary, as these men have gone through a very difficult time uh, due to a system that failed them, that we all believe at some point or another that if you are innocent of a crime, uh, that the system would do the right thing by you. 
we were led to believe that if you're innocent, you're automatically going to be found not guilty. We have learned through this situation with the RP5 that that simply is not the case. There are a lot of people who have come come up against a system that failed them that are behind the wall uh, as well, that we are the voices of those folks as well. But tonight we're happy uh, and and excited that justice has finally come to the front door uh, of the IRP5. And again, gentlemen, thank you for joining us tonight. We appreciate you uh, being part of this show. And um, David, we talked earlier uh, into uh, talking in regards to how this happened. If some way, somehow, we are able to paint a picture, uh, we will attempt to do that tonight. Uh, and uh, let, let's go down that road, David. I'll give you the, the floor to kind of go down to uh, allow our listeners to be able to see this for themselves of how this journey began and what uh, uh, transpired. Well, America is, is a place where people teach you to dream. And, uh, and we always talk about the American dream, that you can work hard, uh, uh, have integrity and do the right thing and good things are supposed to happen for you. Unfortunately, uh, that's not always true in America. Uh, we started our company, IRP Solutions, based on the central motivation of 9-11 and the pain suffered in this nation uh, and the many thousands of lives that were lost. We decided as software engineers, and businessmen that we could possibly do something to contribute to this nation to help our nation's law enforcement uh, work smarter, not harder, and provide them with software tools that would enable them to share information and collaborate uh, at a much greater level and just be completely more efficient and effective to try to thwart any other 9-11 that, that would actually happen in this country. Unfortunately, our dream turned into a nightmare. I, I recall uh, the motivation uh, going to New York, uh, staying on the ninth floor of the Millennium Hilton Hotel. And I had been to New York previously and saw the towers, but that day, standing on that ninth floor looking down, uh, I was more convinced than ever looking at the holes in the ground where the towers used to be that we really needed to do something to help our law enforcement. And we were going to use our skills, our abilities, uh, our will, our persistence, and do everything we could to help this country and to help our law enforcement. Uh, so we uh, started on a journey to build investigative case management software that law enforcement could use and adapt and any agency would be able to use. And, and uh this was birthed through passion. It was birthed through desire and just our overall ability to want to do something good and right for the country. I'm a former uh, military veteran uh, from the U.S. Navy. Uh, so all of this stuff is very important. My dad served tw over 20 years in the Army. So I'm familiar with uh, sacrifice and, and working hard for your country. Uh, unfortunately, uh, as we proceeded and began to build our software, we worked closely with law enforcement, including federal agents, uh, bringing them into the business, uh, contacting members of Congress, and 
unfortunately, things went very awry due to egregious misconduct. Now, that's my background. I'll let some other guys speak on uh, uh, how they felt about getting uh, into uh, the business. And let me let me say this. The tragedy of the system is this. From what David just said, these men saw devastation. As this country has never seen in our history. These men, from that tragedy, decided to set out on a mission to protect this nation. The tragedy of it once they began to embrace the entrepreneur spirit that not on my watch will another tragedy of this magnitude happen. They embraced what was supposed to be the American dream of of protecting the homeland. The system in which we are part of today basically assaulted these men at an attempt to rob them of the vision and the purpose for which they set out on this journey. It is tragic to me. Eight years, you rob these men of this vision. It is a tragedy beyond comprehension. And we sit here today, we celebrate what has happened, but we cannot undo the eight years that was taken from these men. Please keep that in mind. Dave, you had something that you wanted to share of how this vision attached to you and what happened. Tell our listeners what happened. So one of the reasons that I was so excited to be part of this is 9-11 directly affected me. I found out the day of 9-11, I spoke to one of my sisters and she was very upset over it. And I couldn't understand why she was so upset. Well, it turned out she was supposed to be on one of those planes that crashed into the World Trade Center. She was leaving from Boston, and she would have been on that plane. At the last minute, she changed her flight to a later flight so she could take her kids to school. If she hadn't done that, she would have died in 9-11. So it was very important for me to, to be part of this so that this could never happen again, so that this doesn't have a lasting effect across America and across people's lives we could we could make a difference and when we when i saw the vision of what this software could do i knew that we could do something that would be great for this country oh absolutely right and uh thank god your sister missed that flight uh, that could have changed your world as well absolutely uh, but i understand the passion that drives you at that point uh demetrius yes uh to piggyback on what david had said uh, I was an Oracle DBA at the time, and to share in this vision, this revolutionary vision, it was very exciting. Um, I, I deal with data, and when I found out that one of the reasons why our federal agencies couldn't track these terrorists because they weren't sharing data, something as simple as sharing data. They comp- uh, compartmentalized the data they didn't want to share, and one of the reasons the software was so important and it still is important to this day that you can work and cooperate with different agencies and share data they had information that could have possibly saved lives that was very important to me and to know that 
we could create something that has not been created to give to our law enforcement agencies to fight against terrorism was very it, it's very vital and I was excited to be with uh, many of the guys we worked with together. So this was another business venture. We all believed in it, and it was very exciting time. And for the government to come and take that, to try to take that vision, it was very disheartening to know that we're trying to help. The, the very people we are helping are the ones that are inflicting this abuse, this pain, this suffering, and to to, to take eight years from our lives. But we're thankful that we've made it through. This is a new, not a new chapter, but a new book, and I'm just yep. excited about it. Well, without question, Mr. Stewart, Clint Stewart, your thoughts of how this passion, your passion started with this, uh, this, this, really this endeavor. Tell us your thoughts. Yes, uh, my thoughts uh, around uh, information sharing is that uh, we definitely, if allowed to make a difference, we, we prove that the local agencies could share information with higher agencies at the state level and also with federal agencies that we had a solution that would actually affect that. It was a really big deal. and would make a really big difference in our country uh, to prevent another 9-11. We were very, very excited about it to see that uh, a little you know, minority business, software company, uh, could, could have that kind of an impact. It was a great opportunity for us. And a great challenge being patriots of America, you know, uh, with uh, former military background. Just being able to contribute uh, was, a, was a really big, exciting opportunity for us. Oh, without question. And ladies and gentlemen, let me be clear on one point. This is not as simple as, well, we're going to start a different career. The heart-wrenching scene and the devastation of 9-11. You do not have words. You have set out to say to avoid terrorist attacks that will take human life, that will kill innocent children, that will take mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers from each other. These men came together to say, not on our watch. What can we do to make sure that something changes, that something is different. And to Demetrius's point, that these agencies refused to share information because one wanted to get credit over the other one. This is our baby. It is not the case. And if you cannot share information, we are supposed to all be patriots of this country. We are to work together. But you have too many egos in the way. If 9-11 did not prompt a coming together by these agencies, I have no idea what will. And for these men and their journey, I can, I can only imagine. Imagine yourselves say, you know what, I, I'm going to get up this morning motivated to touch a nation, to save a nation from, from terror. That was the point of this software. How do we track terrorists? And I believe that 9-11 happened because they were facing the same things that these men came on. Nobody wants to speak to the other. At what cost? 
At what cost? Samson, your thoughts on what you've heard already. Well, I mean, I can tell you, just since I've been here, we've done so many shows about these guys. And to hear, you know, from their own perspective, the motivating factors that drove these gentlemen to go out there and create something that's never existed before. I mean, that garnered so much attention from so many major agencies, you know, around the United States and even internationally, from what I've been told. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. And then to, to turn around and basically be slapped down and spit in your face because you want to do something patriotic and they reward you by sending you to prison for eight years, separated from your family, your friends, everyone you've ever known and loved. I mean, I, I, can't, I really can't wait till we dig into this and actually hear, you know, the entire story, at least what these gentlemen are, re- are ready to share from their perspective, to see this thing through their eyes, through the, the lens and scope that they had to deal with every single day for the last eight years. I mean, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm honored to have you guys here. I'm excited to hear about it. And yeah, I just, I'm really ready to dig into the subject. Well, we're going to dig more coming up on the other side of the break. We talk about the loss that each of these men suffered. One, namely, Lawana Banks-Clark, an advocate for justice who waited for this day. We'll be right back. This is AJC Radio. Almost every day in the news, we hear stories about innocent people who are returning home after spending years in prison for crimes they did not commit. What you may not know is that their problems don't end once the limelight fades. For many wrongfully convicted individuals don't receive a penny for the injustice that they face. Take the case of Floyd Bledsoe. He spent 16 years in the Kansas prison for murder and rape he did not commit. And while Floyd was eventually exonerated, he lost everything. His family, his farm, and decades worth of income. Unfortunately, Floyd's story is not unique. Kansas, along with 17 other states, doesn't have a law to compensate wrongfully convicted individuals for the injustices they suffered. And in states with compensation laws, many of those are woefully inadequate. We owe it to all the men and women in all 50 states to provide fair compensation to those who've suffered these injustices. Join me in urging our lawmakers to do the right thing by the wrongfully convicted. Go to innocenceproject.org to find out how you can help. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Let's just be honest. When we look across the street to the Supreme Court and we see equal justice under law, um, when you have drug laws, 
so severely, disparately enforced against some groups. Let's, let's take African Americans, for example. There's no difference between black and white marijuana usage or marijuana sales, in fact. But blacks are about 3.7 times more likely to be arrested for it. Um, African Americans are more likely to get uh, mandatory minimums, are more likely about 13 to get 13% longer sentences. And it's created these jagged disparities in incarceration. In my state, blacks are about 13, 14% of the population. They make up over 60% of the prison population. And remember, the overwhelming majority of people we arrest in America are nonviolent offenders. Now you've got this, this disparity in the arrest, but that creates disparities that painfully fall all along the system. When you get arrested uh, for possession with intent to sell, do it in inner city, now you're within a school zone. So now you have faced an even higher mandatory minimum. Now you're 19 years old with a felony conviction, possession, and intent to sell in a school zone. Forget even all that. If you just have a felony conviction for possession, what do you face now? Thousands of collateral consequences that will dog you for the rest of your life. You can't get a Pell Grant. You can't get business licenses. You can't get a job. You're hungry, can't get food stamps. Uh, you need a place to live, you can't even get public housing. And what that does is created within our country concentrated areas where you have massive levels of men being incarcerated. You create a caste system in which people feel like they, there's no way out. And we're not doing anything as a society like we know we could do because there's tons of pilot programs that show if you help people when they are coming back from a nonviolent offense, that their recidivism rates go dramatically down. If you don't help them, what happens is, left with limited options, many people make a decision to go back into that world of, of narcotics sales. Uh, uh, what's more dangerous to society? Someone smoking marijuana in the privacy of their own home or somebody going 30 miles over the speed limit, racing down a road in, in a community? What is more dangerous to society? But yet that teenager who makes a mistake for doing things the last three presidents admitted to doing, now they have a felony conviction because it's more likely they're going to get caught. And for the rest of their life, they're 29, 39, 49, 59, they're still paying for a mistake they made as a teenager. Now, that's not the kind of society uh, that I believe in, nor is it fiscally responsible. Nor, it's undermining their productivity, undermining their ability to take care of their family. This is so wrong that those conversations that I'm having with conservatives as well as uh, Democrats uh, are resonating. And so when you have people like Rand Paul standing up and talking about racial disparities in incarceration, this convergence and understanding uh, of fiscal conservatives, of Christian conservatives, of libertarians, shows me that this is a time of great hope for our country. And so I'm not going to question people's motives. This is one of those issues like the civil rights movement in the 1960s, where it should pull all Americans together to say enough is enough. people are sitting in the prisons of America for nonviolent offenses. That's why I'm asking you to join the American Civil Liberties Union and help us in the fight to end mass incarceration. We spend over $80 billion a year incarcerating people. Alternatives to prison, like community service, drug treatment, and rehabilitation costs less 
and can turn lives around. It's time for fair justice. It's time for smart justice. And we need your help. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight, as we have been honored and indeed our privilege to have the RP5 with us discussing the journey which these men started out on some eight and a half to probably 10 years ago to protect the nation and protect the homeland of this nation. And we have the opportunity to hear a very, very, really difficult story to hear because of what all came as a result of injustice uh, in the situation with the IRP-5. I'm joined with by uh, the IRP-5, David Banks, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zapolo, and Clinton Stewart. And, of course, our host and co-host of this, of this uh, radio show are here having a discussion. And feel free, ladies and gentlemen, to dial in to 646-200-0628. That's 646-200-0628. And... Prior to the break, we were talking about uh, Lawana Banks-Clark and her vision of advocacy as she was a voice for the voiceless with the Just Cause organization. Uh, She went to Washington, D.C. on one of our many trips there, I believe on a couple of occasions, and uh, really lived for this moment that these men would be free. Uh, Lawana Banks suffered her own injustice. Uh, as a result of this particular process, this particular judge, and this particular system. Let's hear very, very quickly from LaWanna Banks-Clark what she went through, what she dealt with in brief as we continue the journey of the RP5. Take a listen. Mm. I was at home um, that evening, uh, it was before, it was, was it after Christmas? Yeah, I think it was after Christmas. And, um, and when I op- I saw the letter that said, um, I saw the letter that had the Bureau, Bureau of Prisons on it. And, uh, God, I didn't think I still was feeling it. And I just looked at it and held it in my hand, and I opened it, and it said to report March 1st. I didn't even want to tell my mother, or I wanted to act like it didn't really happen. I was hoping never to see it. And when I did, uh, I had to tell my mom, I think I told her the next morning then mama got the letter to report and and she just said well we're gonna fight you're not going to prison but we're gonna do what we have to do and we did do what we had to do but after all that it still uh came to naught because these people were determined to put me in prison 
I remember when I first got there, uh, sitting in this room, waiting for the chaplain to come in after my brother and sister had dropped me off. And, and I sat there and I looked up to God and I said, I got to be strong. You got to help me to be strong because I have to stand up the, w- the way my mother taught me all my life. And this was a, it was a very d- difficult time. I, and and I, I really feel like I only got through it because God was with me Right. to be out of church, to be away from friends and family, to be, I couldn't call them the first night. That, that bothered me really bad. It was, but I did, I saw so much wrong being in, in that prison camp with these ladies and so many of them that shouldn't have been there. And I got to know so many, so many ladies. I was, I was very loved and respected while I was there. But I, I just, you see so much of the injustice. You see the, the unfairness. You see the the, the abuse and the, and the pressure that's put on these ladies. I mean, it's just, it's cruel things that, You'd be thinking, why would you do such a thing? Why would you get people up in the middle of the night and tell them to get outside in the yard and because we got to look for look through this and look? And there was nothing they were looking for. It it was all about we just want once you get here, we want to oppress you and 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 abuse you and mistreat you and try to take away any kind of dignity that you had that you have at all. Well, there you have it. Luana Banks Clark suffered her own injustice. Um, David, your thoughts of hearing that in comparison to what you guys had gone through? Well, I'd like to start by saying uh, Luana Banks Clark was my sister. Um, and she was the same victim of prosecutorial and judicial abuse of power and misconduct. Uh, unfortunately, we experienced some of the worst elements in our society where money, desire for money, collided with racism. And the government would stop at nothing. Uh, we felt like they were working on behalf of some third parties, probably some wealthy third party, but they would stop at nothing to destroy us at any cost. And that included putting my sister in prison to try to shake us uh, into accepting a plea deal or or trying to prove that this is what we're going to do to you. Uh, I spent eight years in prison. Nothing can compare. That eight years is nothing to me in comparison to the day I dropped my sister off at that prison. Lawana was innocent, uh, in many ways somewhat naive uh, to just the world that anything like this could even possibly happen to somebody who had this type of heart. Even to this day, uh when I think back on the day I dropped her off at prison, it still brings tears to my eyes as it is right now. 
And it's it's a sad, sad story when somebody tries to destroy your dream and they will do anything. And it's all for the purpose of, of personal gain because they want what you have. And sadly, um, government actors in the judicial system work on behalf of people to do this stuff. My sister, Luana Clark, uh, experienced stress from this situation. It worsened over the years. She was one of our biggest champions uh, waiting for us to and planning for us to come home as we fought for our freedom. Uh, and what the government did with knowledge of her innocence, and this stuff is in court records. We, we, we're not here just telling a story that's not backed up by evidence and by documentary evidence, irrefutable documentary evidence of the cruelty of this justice system and the knowledge that people in this justice system and people will do anything for money, including taking your life and your liberty without a cause. Uh, and that's why it's so important for us to tell this story. And Luana Clark is, is one of the tragic and probably one of the most tragic outcomes of this injustice when she died with a massive stroke brought about by the government and the things they did to her and the things they did to us. And I just can't understate just the cruelty that we experience in this system. No, true words on that. And uh, I'll tell you right now, um, This is this is a tragic situation. Uh, David Banks never got the opportunity to bid her his sister farewell because of the oppression of this the FC uh, prison camp in Florence, Colorado, FCI. Um, and we'll tell that we'll tell a little bit more about that story shortly. Cliff, you have a caller. Yes, we have uh, Don and Donna from Cowboy Logic. That uh, you know, our partners in the fight for the IRP five, and they are on the line to welcome you guys home. Don and Donna, you guys are live. Hey, what's up, gentlemen? It is an absolute honor to be able to speak with all five of you finally. And better to hear your voices as free men. Yes. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank Bringing you for your tears support. To my eyes just to, to hear your recanting of what happened to your sister. And you know what? What's even worse is as we look back now, you think what happened to you guys was so horrendous. And look at what they are even doing to the President of the United States. This is out of control government on all levels and the point to the point where I, I don't even recognize my country anymore. No, without question. Uh, and, and let me say this to, to the both of you, for your uh, really uh, tireless efforts made uh, through our conversations we have had, uh, AJC Radio, and for your passion uh, for the IRP5, it cannot go unnoticed. Um, 
I believe it is a collective effort and us coming together as advocacy uh, individuals to fight for justice. And you folks uh, lifted your voice in the time when we needed it most uh, for the liberation of these men. Let, let, let me say, AJ, let me say thank you on behalf of AJC Radio and a Just Cause organization. We appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. I got to tell you guys, you know, we've been following this and we've been digging into the weeds, especially with Olivia kind of behind the scenes for a lot of years on this. And of all the stories that we have covered, I think we're in our seventh year now with Cowboy Logic Radio. Of all the stories we've covered, this is without a doubt the most convoluted and complex story of just an absolute travesty of injustice. But it, it is so big. I mean, I think the first time that we did a show about this, nobody was out of prison. And we probably spent two to three hours on the air about it. Just trying to wrap yeah. our head around it. And uh, if you don't mind me asking you guys a question, where do you go from here? Please tell me that you're going to continue working on this software and develop this. David? The software uh, was developed uh, irrespective of what the claims the government put out there and they tried to minimize our software minimize our accomplishments uh the software will continue uh we clearly have something to prove and something something to show the world that and that's a part of clearing our name we want our name clear the government took an opportunity to minimize what we were doing and and to present it in a, in, a, in front of a jury as if we were some clown without any sort of background uh, that were duping the government into buying software. Nobody dupes the government into buying uh, software. Uh, we as, as as if we fooled uh, dozens and dozens of agencies. Uh, so we're going to continue uh, here in the near future, uh, and the, the software will come out. And we will prove that what we had was as valuable as what we said we had. And those, those, those facts were, were shown in court by law enforcement people who actually testified in a court of law. And, and, we, and this is prime stuff for a documentary. We have plenty of documents. And uh, we're going to be looking to go down that path in the near future. Remember, uh, David. Uh, that's great news. Absolutely wonderful news. Well, thank you guys uh, for calling in to speak to the IRP5 guys. Uh, we consider you family, uh, and we appreciate uh, your good thoughts. And as we begin to go down uh, this next journey, and that is to clear the name uh, and the names of the IRP5, it is critically important that justice be found in total. And that's what our intention will be as a Just Cause AJC Radio continues to push this story out across this nation. I thank you for calling us. We appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, Cowboy Logic, is that correct, uh, Cliff? Yeah. Uh, thank you, guys, and we'll definitely be in touch, okay? Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, feel free to dial into the show, 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628, and we are honored and privileged 
to have with us the IRP5 as we continue Search for Justice. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm going to give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call one 855-529-4252. That is a just cause. And we fight for justice. Again, call a just cause today. Don't delay. Call 1-855-529-4252. It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us? Call today. When news and headlines following an act of gun violence fade away, who's left? The families. Gun violence is real. It affects more people than you would ever imagine. Losing a family member is one of the worst things that anyone can ever go through. This is something that's often forgotten, like what happens to the people after the incident. Although our country struggles to agree on a long-term solution to gun violence, we can all agree on one thing. Any family suffering a loss as a result of gun violence needs our support. The focus needs to shift to the human being. These continue to happen, and more people have join the club that we didn't ask to be a part of. There's families that are not getting the help that they need. It seems like there's nobody really rallying around the people who have experienced the hardship that we have. So many families in need, and I can really empathize with that. They need our love, compassion, and hope. Life for these families may not get any easier. Their lives are never going to be the same. Ever. But with the support of others, they will get stronger. We can help. The Christina Grimmie Foundation, building a legacy of hope and inspiration. I'm a mother. I'm a father. I'm a sister. A registered nurse. I serve my country in the United States military. I'm your neighbor. I sit next to you at church. And my child was arrested, held in custody, questioned without my knowledge, exposed to violence, witnessed to rape, placed in solitary confinement, unable to call or see me, shackled to a wall, beaten, sentenced as an adult at age 17, sentenced as an adult at age 16, sentenced as an adult at age 15. We felt lost, isolated, ostracized, misjudged, terrified, 
and in the absence of all hope, my child took his own life. And then I found the Alliance for Youth Justice. They gave me the support and resources to get through one of the most difficult times in my life. Now I know I'm not alone. And neither are you. Now we have a voice. Now we We have have power. power. In numbers. In numbers. In numbers. We can can make make a difference. There are approximately 2 million children in the juvenile and criminal justice system in this country. These are the faces of those families. If you are the family member of a child who has been in the justice system, or if you are someone who supports this movement and is ready to make a difference, visit the Campaign for Youth Justice at www.campaignforyouthjustice.org. Meeting a teen girl online is actually pretty easy. You can go into any chat room and just start talking. Most of the girls are usually so insecure and desperate for attention. Attention from older guys is totally flattering. They're so much more mature and understanding than the guys might. Age actually works to my advantage. They like to brag to their friends that they're dating an older guy, so I just play along and pretend I'm really interested. interested in the same things I am. You can talk forever and really get to know someone without worrying about looks or whatever. That's the best thing about chatting. Chatting seems unthreatening to them, so they lower their guard. After a while, I start talking about how we're soulmates and how lucky we are to have found each other. Other people don't understand. I know what I'm doing. If you really care about each other, there's nothing wrong with me. Meeting them is the goal. Once I get them out of their house, well, that's when things get really interesting. Online predators know what they're doing. Do you? We have a big problem. And we need your help. It's happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters. Our wives and our friends. It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop. We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent, it's rape, it's assault. It's a crime. It's wrong. If I saw it happening, I was taught you have to do something about it. If I saw it happening, I'd speak up. If I saw it happening, I'd never blame her. I'd help her. Because I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. We need all of you to be part of the solution. This is about respect. It's about responsibility. It's up to all of us to put an end to sexual assault. And that starts with you. Because one is too many. I wish I was in school. If only I had a math test today. Or a book report to give. I wish I was in school. I'll stay after class. I'll clean the chalkboard. I'll do extra homework. I'll skip recess. I wish I was in school. I wish I was in school. I really wish I was in school. School ends, but free lunches for your kids don't have to. Find your local food bank at feedingamerica.org slash summer meals for help. Together, we're Feeding America.
And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio. And as you know, tonight we are privileged to have the IRP5 in the studio. And let me be very clear. We are waiting on a call back by Cowboy Logic. Uh, I knew they uh, were traveling at this point, I guess, in the ve- in their vehicle. Uh, but if they are able, they will be joining us here momentarily again. And it cannot be understated the impact that Cowboy Logic has had on the IRP5 journey. Uh, Cliff, you know a little bit about this as well. I know I was on an interview with them with Kendrick and Clint Stewart, Kendrick Barnes. Uh, they have been true advocates for these men from day one. Tell us a little bit about that as we wait for them to call back in. Yeah, I mean, Cowboy Logic is uh, their show. They When they heard about the whole situation, and I believe we started dealing with Don and Donald back in 2013, if I'm not mistaken. And several times they have dedicated their entire show to hearing, hearing the story about you guys, about IRP solutions and what you wanted to do uh, for the nation and for these government law enforcement agencies. And as Don alluded to on the call, you know, it, from the first time he heard it, he's like, this just is bizarre. He, he questioned the uh, position of the judge, the position of the prosecutor, the position of the the court reporter, the you know all the facts of the case from them not putting um, the uh, expert witness on the stand of them uh, making one of you guys testify or and threatening to close your case. So they have been uh, you know serious comrades and allies in this entire fight the whole time. They've done what they can to to push and be a part of. Uh, of us, you know, in the fight to get you guys out. And and always we're willing to, you know, have an open ear to what we had to say and putting us in touch with people. You know, when you got your Rolodex, most of the time people hold that close to the, you know, close to the chest, don't want to share it. Don and Donna have opened up their hearts and uh, their Rolodex to us to help us in the fight to get you guys home. Well, and the, I think the point to be proven is that, uh, to be made rather, is that, You've, you don't find a lot of people that share in that passion as exactly. you do. Uh, Cowboy Logic, uh, it wasn't too long ago, Kendrick, you and I and, and Clint Stewart uh, were actually on their show. Uh, and they were, when I tell you, outraged, uh, again, about what happened. You don't have to wonder where Cowboy Logic stands on injustice. They're very clear to that fact. You remember that, Kendrick, from the interview. Give us your thoughts on it. And I do. And, and the one thing that stood out to me is – there was not a lot of times that you had to fill them in on what happened. I mean, they researched. They did their homework. They went in and, and, and saw it. This was not a hard talk or hard right. interview. They understood what happened. Right. And these are people and, and I'll say that, are, that want the dream and the hope of the American experiment to be for everyone. They are true advocates of justice and fairness. And when you, you, it was a pleasure, actually, to be able to, to talk to them and, and have them interview us and get a chance to have that voice that is supposed to, that should be for everyone. But it was sad that we're talking about an injustice and how this needs to be corrected, you know, when we should be talking about other positive things. But I'm glad they took the time on their show to allow us to tell our side of the story, tell us of, to warn Americans how – this system is unjust, and to basically, we have to do things to make sure we put the right people in office to get make sure change happens. No, without question. And uh, I'll tell you what, again, we're attempting to get them back on now. Uh, and I think 
again, they are traveling somewhere, uh, and we're going we're gonna to definitely uh, respect that. However, if they're able to call back in, they will. Uh, and the RP5, you owe you a, a great deal of gratitude to these folks uh, who, again, and I'm telling you, they were angry, uh, very angry and, and passionate. Look, this should not have happened to these guys. Uh, it is necessary as an advocate organization, as AJC Radio does, is to, is to really show that passion, to give credit where credit is due. And I'll tell you what, uh, it's something that's necessary that needs to be discussed. So, again, uh, anybody can feel free to dial in to 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628. Uh, and uh, we're going to definitely, uh, the emotional uh, things that were going on, uh, again, directly following LaWanna Beggs-Clark's comments, uh, want to dry eye in here. I'll tell you that right now. This very, very emotional, uh, and we are going to, uh, again, uh, wait for Cowboy Logic to call back in to, to definitely give them our, our sincere thanks. I think all of us feel that way. Dave, your thoughts on that? Well, when you hear that somebody is fighting for you, especially when you're in prison and you don't have that voice, it means so much, and you can't say thank you enough to somebody that spends time researching, first of all, not just taking in, into account what you have to say. They research it and then make the decision as to whether you're telling the truth or not. That means a lot because you have people that say, oh, you must have done something, but they never looked into anything. Here we have Cowboy Logic took the time to look into this and then fight for us because they saw that there was a huge injustice here. And again, in, from me, I want to say thank you very much. Well, you're going to have the opportunity, Dave, momentarily. Uh, once we get those folks back on, uh, Cowboy Logic again, a, a, a powerful voice uh, in, today's, uh, in today's world as advocates and what, all that they do. Uh, so we're looking forward uh, to make that happen. Uh, again, folks, feel free to dial in to 646-200-0628. 646-200-0628. Again, awaiting right now uh, Cowboy Logic to call back in so we can uh, share these thoughts as well. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Clint, you actually were interviewed by Cowboy Logic uh, on that with Kendrick Barnes. Uh, passion like I've not seen from someone who, would not, who was not directly, if you will, affected by it. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's very hard to overstate uh, our thanks. We certainly have a heartfelt gratitude uh, for that kind of enthusiasm, that kind of sincerity, that kind of passion uh, for the plight that we're involved in. And as David was uh, just mentioning, uh, you know, you got your haters out there. You got the people that uh, when you, uh, when they hear about your story, uh, they say, well, you must have done something. The government wouldn't come after you if you, if you didn't do anything. And, but it, it's very rare to find, when you find those people who, who understand, who might have a loved one who's behind bars, who's been mistreated, who've been through something themselves, and they understand and listen to your story, and they say, well, that, that can't, be, can't be true. It sounds like they're after you uh, for the money, for the software. Uh, who did you guys piss off? And so when you see uh, uh, an organization such as Cowboy Logic with a media outlet uh, that actually takes the passion and asks these deep probing questions, and you realize these people have a passion uh, for what you went through and give you an opportunity. It can't be overstated, the, the thanks and the gratitude on our hearts uh, for people uh, taking that kind of an interest. And no, definitely so. And, again, we're going to get into that uh, as soon as we get them back on. David, 
as we pick up uh, a little bit where we left off as we wait for Cowboy Lodge to call back in. Um, we were talking about the journey, uh, Lawana Banks Clark being an advocate, uh, a true voice for you guys, and, and then you talked about uh, what she went through and on the journey that she went through uh, definitely uh, impacted you, of course, being her brother, uh, and dealing with that loss, but then the push even harder to clear your name as the next steps and the next steps of this journey go on. How important is that that we make that happen? It's critically important. Uh, uh, and you talk about your your religious or Christian background. It says a good name is better to be chosen than great riches. Uh, and we want our name back. That's that's critically important. I want my name back not only for us, we want it back for, for my sister. Uh, God rest her soul. We want our name clear. Uh, to, to suffer this and have to live with the stigma of a felony when you know you didn't commit a crime. And like I said, we, uh, honestly, I don't care what people think. The, the facts speak for themselves. Uh, we don't have to, uh, we're not just uh, pulling stuff out of, out, of, out, of, out of the air claiming that this didn't happen. We have proof that this actually happened. And it, it, it's, it's tragic. And what they did to my sister, like I said, they, they literally contributed to the death of my sister. And this, these sorts of abuses of power cannot be tolerated in this country. Do we hate prosecutors? Do we hate judges? No. But people need to be held accountable for their particular actions or, God forbid, this is going to happen, and it is happening to other people. No, without question. And until we become outraged at what has happened, uh, this is something that, uh, you know what I mean, that the families of these men live day for day. When a loved one is locked up, day for day is done. By, the, by your each family member, they're doing time with you, without question. Your, your, your church that you folks are involved in, Day for day, every time you lay down at night, you think about that loved one that's laying down on a bunk somewhere and somewhere that they should not be. Every time you sit down to eat a meal, you think of that loved one that is behind the wall not being treated fairly. So when I tell you it is, this is collateral damage of injustice. These are collateral fatalities. You can, I mean, you're basically affecting the entire psyche and life of every individual that had to deal with that pain. We're dealing with that. Yeah, and I like, this is David Banks again, I like to say one thing, and uh, we're talking about the cruelty of the system. My sister passed away a year and a half ago. Uh, I, I, I requested a short six-day furlough from a prison camp to grieve and bury my sister. The system was so cruel until they wouldn't let me go home, and I'm in a prison camp with no walls, no bars, no fences. People go out into the community to work every day, but they were so cruel, they wouldn't let me go bury my sister. It seems like the cruelty just never stops in this system, and Americans are not aware of what this system and the cruelty that exists in it. And it, 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 it's kind of funny when you think about the Eighth Amendment, cruel and unusual punishment, a prohibition against that? Well, 
cruel, cruel and unusual punishment. So it leaves the door open for them to be cruel, and they do that very, very well. No, without question, and I agree with that. Uh, and and look, there's a type of uh, what would you call it? Blinders on, if you will, by a lot of the people in this country that believe, oh, we got the greatest system in the world. That's what you hear. Oh, our system is the greatest. No other system compares to ours. I'll agree with you on one point. No system uh, is, uh, that really comes into any type of lightning like the United States. And right now, I believe we got Cowboy Logic. Bring them back on, please. Oh, yeah. Uh, they are there talking to the screeners. Okay. And so as soon as the screener can uh, free them up, we'll pull them on the air. Okay, appreciate that, Cliff. They're going to be coming on here momentarily. And uh, we're getting ready again to bring Cowboy Logic on. And uh, I'll tell you what, these folks have a lot to say. Go ahead, Cliff. All right, Don and Donna, we appreciate you guys uh, calling back in. You are live. Hey, it's good to be back, guys. We're just. Uh, hey, you, I hope that I, I hope that we sound okay to you. We are driving today from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, down to Atlanta, Georgia. So we're hammering 900 miles, and we couldn't think of better people to spend the drive with, with than you guys. <laughs> well, thank, hey, well, well, listen, Don and Don. Look, we were actually uh, closing out on a segment. Uh, regarding LaWanna Banks-Clark, uh, which is my sister, also the sister of David Banks. And uh, got a little emotion. They want a dry eye around the table. So we apologize if we didn't do our due diligence. And I think we would be doing you guys a disservice without really talking about the passion and the commitment that you guys have shown to the IRP5 story, the, the, the courtesy you showed to myself, to Kendrick Barnes and Clinton Stewart when you interviewed us, but to be behind these guys the way you guys were, that's you have to be family to do that, and I think you guys fit the mold for that. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we try so hard, but I got to tell you, we didn't have a dry eye either. Listening to your story, recanting what happened to your sister. I mean, I the the whole idea of what happened to you guys on top of family members being impacted, children who don't have fathers, churches that step up to help while, while you were all in prison. I mean, it is, we talk on the radio, we got the easy job. What happened to your entire church family, your nuclear family, your extended families, is is just I mean, all we can do is thank God that you're out. That really is the bottom line. And can you move forward now with your lives and with your livelihood? Well, listen, Donna and Don, these guys individually would like to say a very special thanks to you. We're going to go right down the line so they can tell you of their gratitude of what an impact you guys have made on their lives through this fight for justice. David, go ahead. Hey, Don and Donna, uh, uh, words can't. Uh, can't state our appreciation for what you've done. Uh, you are what is right here in America. Uh, we deal with so much uh, division sometimes in the media, stoking up racial division wherever they can do it to try to pull people apart. They try to blame uh, uh, they try to blame the president for doing it, but the reality is the media stoke 
racial division. Uh, and blacks, white, Hispanic, all people need to come together. And your commitment to our cause, I've just learned a little more about it. I can't tell you thank you enough uh, for making the sacrifice and getting involved. It's so many people refuse to get involved and allow these, this type of injustice to persist with other people. We truly thank God uh, for you. And like I said, I do, as Lamont said, consider you my family. Thank you so much. Well, it's an Thank honor. You. Don, Don, and we just, I, I'm just so thankful that hearing your story, how you got in the foxhole with an AJC and we're our voice when we didn't have a voice. We thank you. I can't tell you how much you appreciate that when you're in a prison uh, behind an, uh, in prison to have people fighting for you that know they believe your story. That I can't tell you what that does to you on my heart to know that you are in it with us. Uh, a friend is born for adversity, and not only are you a friend, you're a family, and I, I truly thank you to, to have your commitment to your passion for making America what it should be. That, that goes a long way, and we're happy to be uh, – you guys are a part of our lives, and we are a part of yours, and we thank you for all the, the dedication, and it's not unnoticed, and I just want to say thank you, and I salute you. Okay. Again, an honor. Uh, Kendrick. Now you're making me well up again. Donna's crying. Well, that's, that, that's, hey, that's good news. That's good news. <laughs> Kendrick, go ahead. Uh, hi, Donna. Donna, I just want to say, I mean, it was a privilege to have the opportunity to be interviewed by both of you. And why it was so important and, and, and close to my heart is because if you want to feel like a nobody in this country, try to fight this justice system, that when, a corrupt justice system that we have today. But to have you guys uh, take notice and to give us a voice to, to dig into this case, that's huge. And, and I wish your guys' vision of America would go across to other places that, you know, there's supposed to be a promise here that we all would get a fair shake and, and, and a promise that we should have life, liberty, and a pursuit of happiness. And there's a lot of us Americans that that's just kind of leaving us behind. But I thank you guys so much for – Calling in today and and caring and welcoming us back home. And if, you know, I can speak for me and probably others, if you guys ever need anything from me, I'll, I'll be there. If I can do it, I'll be there. And I thank you guys very much. Yes, indeed. Yes. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Dave. And I want to thank you so much for all that you've done. I heard that you dedicated multiple shows to our story. That means so much. When you see that you cared about us, you don't even know who we are. And you cared about us en enough to put together shows and talk about us and say that these men are innocent. These men need to come out of prison. That means the world to me. And then you call in today during your drive to say, welcome back. Yeah. You, you don't know how much that means to all of us and how much we truly thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, Clint, go ahead. Olivia, oh, sorry, Donna. Olivia kept us go ahead, all, Donna. I'm just saying, Olivia kept us all abreast. Olivia kept us all abreast of what was happening, and we were just so happy when all of you finally got got out. I mean, it, we kept saying, "How many more? How many more? How many? You know what I mean?" And it, 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 yeah. it's um, it's just great to hear you all together. One more, and it's Clinton Stewart. Go ahead, Clint. Yeah, uh, Don and Donna, um, I hope I don't get too emotional with this, but, uh, you know, my brother, uh, Cliff Stewart, who's on the program here with us, 
uh, yep. contacted my, my mother's uh, oldest sister to ask for assistance uh, when I was in prison. And she refused. She said, well, the government wouldn't charge him. He must have done something wrong. And you don't know what kind of blow that is. And when we hear about people like you all who take an interest, who research it for yourself, and who get excited about your plight and who help tell your story in a very positive manner and, and recognize that, boy, the government is really giving these guys a, a railroad of a job. It's very, very heartfelt to me to see somebody on the other side, somebody who believes in uh, what you're talking about and even wants to say, hey, are you guys going to pursue that software? It sounds like you had an excellent opportunity and very positive. When your own family member uh, turn you away, it, it's a very, very big impact when people that you don't know actually support you. So thank you. Thank you. It cannot be overstated. Thank you so much. And, uh, Gentlemen, you're, you, you guys are so welcome. I, I, got, I don't know how much time you got here in the segment. Do, you, do I have a couple of minutes to say something? You got, hey, you have the floor, Don. Go ahead. Okay. First of all, to have the five of you say the words that you just said to Donna and I, we are so undeserving of that. We appreciate what you said beyond description, but the sacrifices that the, that the five of you have made with probably the most important God-given right that we have, which is liberty, that was taken away from you, the time, the hours, the care, the love, and the concern that we invested in that is a very, very, very small price to pay compared to what you guys had to do. And don't ever forget that people like us, there's an army of us out here that support you guys. That's awesome. And we all realize the amount of sacrifice. In addition to the veterans that are sitting at that table right now that, that gave an oath to defend the country that screwed yep. them. You got to, I That's mean, right. I mean, we were both welling up as you guys, as the five of you were speaking, but I think that it was almost Donna out of embarrassment that we don't deserve what was just said. I do want to share one thing with you because I know throughout the course of this whole thing that there were a lot of lawyers and some very big names that were brought in that that failed you miserably. Yeah. Yes. But throughout this whole thing, there's been one attorney that Donna and I have been speaking with probably for the last four years, maybe four or five years on this. And unfortunately, she's had her hands tied up trying to right a very serious wrong. But there's a very powerful lawyer that is aware of what happened to you guys. And maybe someday she's going to be with the Department of Justice. And I would give anything if someday she became a Supreme Court justice. And that's a woman by the name of Sidney Powell. And Sidney Powell is defending Michael Flynn, General Flynn. Okay. And that's why she that, couldn't do anything when we asked for her help. She was kind of busy. A little bit. Well, I think but, so. <laughs> but, yeah. 
But I got to tell you guys, she is aware of what's going on. She's dug into the weeds on what happened with you guys. And uh, you've got an ally that unfortunately couldn't do anything for you. But you got an ally in Sydney Powell because she's very aware of the injustice that was inflicted on you guys. Wow. That's awesome. And, and, and let me tell you, uh, Cowboy, uh, Don and Donna, without your voice and without reaching out to that uh, magnificent young lady, guess what? That wouldn't even be on the table. And let me let me let Donna, uh, Donna, 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 let me let you folks know, which you probably already know this, and to our listeners, Cowboy Logic started coming on to defend the IRP-5 in October of 2013. Seven years. Let me tell you something. That's very unique because that's what I call true advocates. That's what I call people that are down in the trenches saying, look, we're not going to tire. We're not going to pull back. We are going to get in this fight, and you guys have done just that. I'll tell you, you guys are the, are the, are the spoken heroes of the RP5 story. Make no mistake about that, and we, we mean that sincerely. Well, it, it, it really, again, is something that it's the least we can do, and the bigger picture is something I always try to look at, and between what happened to you, what happened to General Flynn, and it's still going on with him, that Sidney Powell is, is still trying to clear his name. And quite frankly, what happened to the President of the United States with this whole Russia collusion and impeachment thing is showing the injustices and the corruption that has filtered into our justice system. And that is the bigger picture that needs to be fought going forward. No, yes, no without question. And Don and Donna, look, maybe we get the opportunity. You guys can facilitate it once things schedule-wise uh, kind of calm down for Miss Powell. Why don't we t- take a look at pushing to bring all three of you guys on our show? Absolutely. I, I would love That'd to be get awesome. Sydney on with you guys. Okay. And if we need to come on your show with her? Uh, we'll come on. We'll bring the entire RP5 with us on that. I think that'd be awesome uh, to get that in the works. We're open, and we, are ava- we make ourselves available, available uh, to Cowboy Logic around the clock. Please know that. Well, here's the beautiful thing, guys. Now you're all available. We've waited <laughs> That's right. seven years to be able to. <laughs> here, here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey God hey, bless I'll tell all you what, of you guys. Hey, man, we appreciate you, so you guys. Safe travels uh, wherever you're headed. Uh, safe travels, and we hope that uh, uh, things continue to get better, as I believe this is an ally. Uh, you always will have a voice here on AJC Radio, the Just Cause organization. Again, we consider you family, and this next journey would not be complete unless we include you. Make no mistake about that. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thanks. God, again. Okay, Thank take you. care. Thank we'll be in you. touch. There you have it, folks. Cowboy Logic Radio, Don and Donna. Uh, and I'm at their website right now. And uh, guess who's on the front page? The release of Clinton Stewart from Florence Prison uh, here in Florence, Colorado. I tell you what, these folks are a voice 
uh, for the voiceless. And for those of these IRP5, I tell you what, they're excited. We're excited. On the other side of the break, we come back with the IRP5 story, the saga continues. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. There are no loose ends in TV procedural dramas. At the end of the hour, the bad guy always gets what's coming to him. Unfortunately, the real world is a lot more complicated. We know from the work of the Innocence Project and other organizations in the Innocence Network that the system doesn't always get it right. According to the National Registry of Exoneration, since 1989, nearly 2,000 people have been exonerated of crimes they didn't commit. What people don't realize is a good number of those people pleaded guilty to crimes even though they were innocent. In fact, in nearly 10% of the nation's DNA exonerations, people pleaded guilty to serious crimes and agreed to serve significant prison time because the system is stacked against them, especially if they are poor and people of color. That's right. The stakes are so high that we have innocent men and women agreeing to serve long prison sentences. A system that puts that much pressure on people to plead guilty is a problem. Visit guiltypleadproblem.org to learn more about the men and women who are pressured into pleading guilty to crimes they didn't commit. And join us in demanding that our elected officials do something to protect the innocent people who get caught up in a broken criminal justice system. Thank you. Let me tell you who to blame. Blame the boy lying at your feet, his body oozing life through the hole in his stomach where the bullet tore him apart. Blame him for challenging you, for not looking away and for not backing down when you pulled out the gun. Blame your mother for bringing you into this world when she was but a kid herself and for dragging you up, not bringing you up. Blame society for not giving you hope. Blame your father for not being there, the man who looked after himself instead of looking after you. Blame the gun in your hand for making you a target, for making you more likely to be picked on. Blame the dead boy, blame your mother, blame society, blame your father, blame the gun, blame anyone but yourself for not being strong enough to put down the gun, to break the cycle. Mass incarceration means that we've got a very high rate of incarceration, historically, comparatively. And the other thing is the rate of incarceration is so high, so socially concentrated, we're no longer incarcerating the individual, but we're incarcerating whole social groups. The rate of incarceration now is about five times higher than it was historically. Historically, it was 100 per 100,000. Now it's about 500 per 100,000. If we look at prison, if we add jail to that, it's about 700 per 100,000. Nowhere in the world incarcerates as much as we do. We've seen extremely high rates of exposure to the criminal justice system for African-American men with very low levels of schooling. So if we think about black men who were born in the late 1970s and who were growing up through the American prison boom of the 1980s and the 1990s, the chances that they're going to serve time in state or federal prison if they dropped out of high school is about 70%. So going to prison for that group of black men with very low levels of schooling, that's become a normal life event. That's really only happened in the last 10 years. We're at this point now where there's about 1.2 million African-American children with a parent who's incarcerated. That's about one in nine. The research shows 
The kids who experience parental incarceration have diminished school achievement, they have behavioural problems, depressive symptoms, acting out. And there's also evidence that these kinds of negative effects associated with parental incarceration are concentrated more among boys than among girls. And there's a very real risk here that incarceration becomes an inherited trait. The underlying issue is we've chosen prisons as a way to respond to that problem of crime. And there are a whole variety of ways that we could have chosen to respond to that problem of crime. We've chosen the response of the deprivation of liberty. And we've chosen the response of the deprivation of liberty for a historically aggrieved group whose liberty in the United States was never firmly established to begin with. I don't have to tell you about the challenges we face every day. That would be like preaching to the choir. Today you have a chance to face the challenge of your risk for diabetes. My dad had diabetes and one in four U.S. adults are at risk, myself included. If you're older than 45 or African-American, that risk increases. So here's a chance to ask yourself, what can I do? Talk to your doctor about getting screened and know what your options are. Learn more at AskScreenKnow.com. I stand for equality. I stand for individuality. I stand for peace. I stand for diversity. I stand for dignity. I stand for respect. I stand for fairness. When you turn out the light. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to AJC Radio, where tonight we have had the privilege and uh, to have really the IRP5 here. We cannot get everything in on one show, I anticipate at least a part two and a part three featuring the IRP5 due to the story uh, that must be told. A very, very special shout out again to Cowboy Logic. Uh, had an opportunity to go to their website, uh, and I'll tell you what, they are still pushing for the fight for justice uh, for the IRP5, and a very special thanks to them. Uh, right now, we're going to be joined uh, momentarily by Cassie Monaco, a, a true advocate uh, for Just Calls AJC Radio, and uh, she has really got in the fight as well uh, regarding the IRP5. And uh, tonight we want to uh, welcome her to our show. Cassie, are you with us? Hi, Lamont. I sure am. How are you? We're doing good. How are things with you? <laughs> you know, everything's fine. You know, every, every day is a fight and a struggle when you have a loved one uh, in the Bureau of Prisons, right? Well, listen, absolutely. Uh, we've had the opportunity to uh, fight for uh, Chris. How is he doing? He, he's, he's doing okay. He's doing okay. I want to um, quickly welcome um, home, everybody. And, you know, absolutely. It's, 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 yeah, you know, it, it's funny because, or it's hard, 
there's a different type of congratulations when you've actually, you know, welcome home, when you've actually served um, and paid your debt to society. But when yes. you're innocent and your freedom was taken away, it's that's tough, man. You know, so it's that's- so I admire those guys for, uh, you know, powering through and and welcome home. Well, and I'm going to give them an opportunity, Cassie, to say uh, some words to you, because listen to me very carefully, and to our listeners uh, and to the RP5, Cassie has been a true advocate. Uh, When we first started uh, talking about what was happening to you guys, when I tell you, Cassie was in the trenches with us, uh, putting the word out about the release of Clint Stewart, the video, everything. Cassie was a play-by-play uh, caller, if you will, that really did a great job and continues, in my opinion, to be family of this organization. And Cassie, let me say from AJC Radio and a Just Cause, a very special thank you uh, for all of your work uh, bringing us together uh, with Mark uh, Vargas as well as uh, Governor Bogovich, uh, who was pardoned by President Trump. Without you, none of that happens. We appreciate you Aww. so very much for that. Well, okay, I'm going to give you an opportunity you. for. Thank you so much. And let me let the RP5 say their words of thanks to you. David, go ahead. Hello, Cassie. It's good good to hear you. I remember seeing you in the visiting room a couple of times dealing with your husband. Uh, yeah. I said we're eternally grateful for uh, your efforts and, and your commitment uh, to justice and, and to uh, the men behind the wall. I said it's very important that we have people out here that are actually concerned about uh, the forgotten forgotten men behind the wall, men and women alike, that uh, are suffering uh, many times unnecessarily. We know sometimes people make uh, poor choices, but uh, uh, the system seems to pile on people sometimes behind the wall. And uh, it's always grateful that uh, – we're really very grateful to have an advocate out there that is pushing hard. And uh, best wishes to you and uh, Chris. Uh, uh, we pray for Thank him you. Uh, every single day, and 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 uh, we were just praying for the best outcome uh, for you for you for you and uh, you and Chris. Aw, thank you, thank you so much for your support, encouragement, and love. We just we cannot adequately express our gratitude. Thank you, Demetrius. Hi, Cassie. Um, I had the unique pleasure. Hey, how you doing? Um, I had the unique (laughs) pleasure of knowing Chris, and we had had many talks. And uh, I don't know if he told you, but the day that I got out on May 4th, he was my driver to (laughs) take me through the front gate. Yeah, and so it (laughs) was just, again, we've had many talks prior to that day. But he said, you know, one of the things that stuck with me, he said, Demetrius, uh, unfortunately, they didn't let my wife, Tasha know that I was getting out and he said Demetrius I'll sit here until your wife has nothing to do and I want to sit here with you and we had about two hours to talk and you know as you know (laughs) your husband uh, a great conversationist and and we just talked and only someone that's been with you behind those walls those are the the tone the moments the, the the conversation that is invaluable and when I heard and got word that he was, uh, he never let me know that he, uh, he was dealing with sickness, my heart goes mm-hmm. out to him, and even to this day, that uh, God uh, heals him and, and restores his health because, you know, uh, Chris and I had many talks, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to, to know him personally and to, to and your fight and your stand with uh, AJC and fighting for your husband, for Chris, fighting for us. I cannot tell you 
how much that means to us. And, and again, shout out to you and we much, much love and much appreciation to you, Cassie. No, oh, thank you so much. Love back to you. Uh, uh, hi, Cassie. This is Ken Barnes. And I just, I just want to say, I, I, I thank you for all the times that you've called into this show and put your heart into, into this fight for justice. It's sad that we have to meet under these circumstances of vote where you're also experiencing a loved one behind in prison. I was in prison, but you know what? I was glad to be out there helping you protest for your husband's release. I mean, that was, mm-hmm. I, even though I hate seeing that prison, that was worth going out uh-huh. there to, to oh. get a voice out there to help you, you know, to do right. You know, and so I, I just want you to, I, for you working with us, it was nothing for me to get out there. It was my obligation, my obligation and duty to help you in your time of need also. So I really want to thank you, Casey, Cassie, oh, for all you've done. Oh, my God. I, so, so appreciate it. And, it, and they're still talking about it. <laughs> so so thank you. Hey, thank you. Hey, Cassie, I want to thank you so much for all that you've done and your support of us. And to take the time to support us and to call into the show and take time on the show. And then you also have somebody behind that wall that is so much to us. And I knew Chris a little bit and to see that he's struggling there with sickness and that prison does not care. That means so much to, to, it breaks my heart to see how they treat people and anything that you need from us, you definitely have it because you supported us. We absolutely support you and support Chris. Thank you so much. Oh, oh, and I feel it. Thank you so much. All right, Clint. Yes, Cassie, it's, uh, it's Hi, Clint. really good to hear your voice. Hi, it's really good to hear your voice. We certainly uh, respect and appreciate the work that you do with uh, your organization, One Day Closer, where you uh, make it possible for the families and inmates to be able to visit them when they don't have the money to do so. such an important work. We understand that you do this full time. We certainly appreciate uh, Chris and you being his uh, the wife of uh, a Navy captain, retired, having all those years put in uh, work, uh, honoring his country, uh, fighting for his country. There's no small achievement to, to uh, be a Navy captain. Chris is an honorable man, and we certainly appreciate knowing him and spent many, many hours with him there in the prison. Certainly appreciate your work, and thank you so much for uh, supporting us, and we love you. Oh, thank you so much. I love you guys, too. Your support just means the absolute world to us. Well, Cassie, I understand that you're limited on time. I know you're expecting a very special phone call. Uh, yes. Is that correct? Yes, indeed. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we don't... Yeah, yeah. He'll, yeah. He'll call me, yeah. Soon, but okay. I also want to mention um, your, your guest prior mentioned Sydney Powell, and wow, what a yes. powerhouse! I don't know if you guys have read her book, uh, License to Lie, but she gets down and dirty and hard in um, and uh, shining the light on the corruption in our justice system. So that's pretty well, impressive. And Cassie, it may be an opportunity. I'm going to try to send your information, your name, and such of what you've dealt with and what you do. The Cowboy Logic, mm-hmm. uh, who were just has been awesome. a very powerful voice for us. And, uh, again, this is about everybody kind of working together and coming together for one purpose, and that is, the, that is to bring justice. And I, I don't want to hold you. I don't want you to miss that call. Thank you for thinking of us. Thank you for calling. I have no doubt uh, we will have you on our show in these upcoming shows uh, of discussion 
uh, as we go forward in our pursuit for justice. We thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. And we're still waiting on you and Mark and Governor Bogovich to make a trip out here and uh, for us to show you some great hospitality. We're looking forward to that. Can't wait. Thank you for everything that you guys do. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You have a good night. We'll be in touch offline, okay? All right. Thanks. And great show, by the way. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Cassie Monaco, a true voice for justice uh, and fighting uh, for others. Uh, She is a magnificent uh, young lady that is definitely involved in the fight uh, as a true advocate, and we appreciate that. Um, We're going to come right back, folks, on the other side of this break. Uh, Again, this is part one of the RP5 journey is what we'll call this. This is only part one. Until the story is completely told, we will have the RP5 here to take us step by step of the journey that they have gone through and the journey that continues as we fight to clear the RP5's name. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. You must have thrown a thousand pitches teaching him to hit a home run. Spent countless Saturdays running routes so he could learn to hit an open receiver. Endless afternoons teaching him how to hit the three-pointer. But how much time have you spent teaching him what not to hit? Teaching boys that all violence against women is wrong is one of the most important things a man can do. Learn how to start the conversation at teachearly.org. Brought to you by Futures Without Violence and the Ad Council. Mass incarceration means that we've got a very high rate of incarceration historically, comparatively. And the other thing is the rate of incarceration is so high, so socially concentrated, we're no longer incarcerating the individual, but we're incarcerating whole social groups. The rate of incarceration now is about five times higher than it was historically. Historically, it was 100 per 100,000. Now it's about 500 per 100,000. If we look at prison, if we add jail to that, about 700 per 100,000. Nowhere in the world incarcerates as much as we do. We've seen extremely high rates of exposure to the criminal justice system for African-American men with very low levels of schooling. So if we think about black men who were born in the late 1970s and who were growing up through the American prison boom of the 1980s and the 1990s, the chances that they're going to serve time in state or federal prison, if they dropped out of high school, is about 70%. So going to prison for that group of black men with very low levels of schooling, that's become a normal life event. That's really only happened in the last 10 years. We're at this point now where there's about 1.2 million African-American children with a parent who's incarcerated. That's about one in nine. The research shows The kids who experience parental incarceration have diminished school achievement, they have behavioural problems, depressive symptoms, acting out, and there's also evidence that these kinds of negative effects associated with parental incarceration are concentrated more among boys than among girls. And there's a very real risk here that incarceration becomes an inherited trait. The underlying issue is we've chosen prison as a way to respond to that problem of crime. And there are a whole variety of ways that we could have chosen to respond to that problem of crime. We've chosen the response of the deprivation of liberty. And we've chosen the response of the deprivation of liberty for a historically aggrieved group 
whose liberty in the United States was never firmly established to begin with. I'll be honest. Your resume, I don't want to amuse you. I know. Okay, so what would you bring to my company? What do you need? I need a hard worker. Good. I've got two part-time jobs and I help my parents pay the bills. I need problem-solving skills. I got through high school without a car, a phone, or a computer. No college degree, though. Not yet, but... Life's taught me a lot, and I'm ready for more. Well, you're not the typical kind of candidate that I hire. But you are exactly what I'm looking for. Your company could be missing out on the candidates it needs most. Learn how to find, cultivate, and train a great pool of untapped talent at gradsoflife.org. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to AJC Radio tonight as we have had the honor and the sincere privilege to have the IRP5, David Banks, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zapolo, and Clinton Stewart, and the entire AJC Radio team tonight as we have begun on a journey of telling the story, the ups, the downs, you name it, and ultimately the injustice that happened to these men along the way. We are very grateful, very honored to have spoken to Cowboy Logic tonight. With very, very special thanks to them, Don and Donna, uh, as well as Cassie Monaco, a true advocate for justice, uh, and to all those that have come together to welcome the RP5 home. We are very appreciative of that. And, uh, David, I know we were talking a little bit earlier uh, in regards to some of the things that we will be discussing through this journey of step-by-step, play-by-play, if you will, of what occurred here in this case. Uh, It has been uh, difficult at best, but we find ourselves in a position of fighting a little bit harder. The work is not done. Uh, To clear the names of these men who were wrongfully convicted, not only by a system that failed, but by a corrupt prosecution, and a questionable judge, Judge Christine Arguello, as we take these steps, you will hear and learn more about this journey. And, David, if you can give us a summary, if you will, of what lies ahead as we come to the end of this show, uh, of part one, what can our listeners expect as we go forward? Well, what they can expect is a complete exposure of what I uh, would coin turnkey corruption uh, that we experienced. It, it was front to back. Uh, and it's pretty much, this was not a, a legitimate prosecution. 
It was a setup. It was a railroad job. Uh, from the raid to the indictment uh, to the targeting of the church in an attempt to uh, get us to come up with wild theories uh, to the takedown of our business, the intentional takedown of our business and destroying our reputation with our customers, even all the way till months, five or six months before they indicted us, they took down a contract, the two contracts we were engaged in with the city of Philadelphia. The government said we didn't have any software, but uh, why did you feel the need? Uh, obviously, we could approve the software. Why didn't you let the city of Philadelphia continue? But when a prosecutor calls your customer and tells them an indictment's coming, excuse me, before they present anything to, present anything to a grand jury, uh, the fix was in. Uh, and you will hear uh, soup to nuts exactly what happened here. And like I said, we're not just talking off the top of our head. We have the documents to prove it. And I'll tell you what, folks, right now, uh, this story and this plot thickens. But make no mistake about it, this is not a Hollywood production. This is not something that you can turn on Netflix and see, at least for right now, this story is what these men have lived and suffered as a result of a system that has gone off the rails. And we are going to deal with these subjects. Uh, I would encourage you to call anybody you know that is in a situation where they feel like the system has failed them. You will hear directly, not from a third party, but from the IRP5 men themselves. Please tune in uh, next Thursday, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern to AJC Radio as we do part two of the RP5 journey. From all of us here at AJC Radio, I wish you well and have a very good night. This is AJC Radio signing off. <laughs>